ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय श्रीमद् भागवतम कैंटो थ्री चैप्टर ट्वेंटी एट टेक्स्ट नंबर थर्टी सिक्स ट्रांसलेशन एंड कमेंट्री बाय हिज डिवाइन ग्रेस श्रीला एसी भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी प्रभुपाद At that time, the yogi realizes the truth of his relationship with the supreme personality of Godhead. He discovers that pleasure and pain, as well as their interactions, which he attributed to his own self, are actually due to the false ego, which is a product of ignorance. Hopper, forgetfulness of one's relationship with the supreme personality of Godhead is a product of ignorance. By yoga practice, one can eradicate this ignorance of thinking oneself independent of the supreme law. One's actual relationship is eternally that of love. The living entity is meant to render transcendental loving service to the Lord. Forgetfulness of that sweet relationship is called ignorance. And in ignorance, one is impelled by the three modes of material nature to think himself the enjoyer. When a devotee's mind is purified and the, and he understands that his mind has to be doubted with the desires of the supreme personality of Godhead, he has attained the perfectional transcendental stage, which is beyond the perception of material distress and happiness. As long as one acts on his own account, he is subject to all material perceptions of so-called happiness and distress. Actually, there is no happiness. Just as there is no happiness in any of the activities of a madman. So in material activities the mental concoctions of happiness and distress are false actually everything is distress when the mind is doubted to act according to the desire of the lord one has attained the transcendental state the desire to lord it over material nature is a cause of ignorance and when that desire is completely extinguished and the desires are doubted with those of the supreme lord one has reached the perfectional state upalabdha paratma kashtaha kashtaha upalabdha means realization realization necessarily indicates individuality in the perfectional liberated stage there is actual re- realization nivrittya means that the living entity keeps his individuality oneness means that he realizes happiness in the happiness of the supreme lord in the supreme lord there is nothing but happiness anandameva basha the lord is by nature full of transcendental happiness In the liberated stage oneness with the supreme lord means that one has no realization other than happiness but the individual still exists otherwise the word upalabdha indicates individual realization of transcendental happiness would not have been used many times in vedic literature we find statements that there is no happiness in the material world but people contest this He said, "No, I'm happy." In this purport, Prabhupada gives the example that the apparent happiness of material life is like the happiness of a madman. In India, it's quite common to see a madman or a mad woman wandering the streets, sometimes completely naked or otherwise dressed in filthy rags, never in clean clothes. 
Often they like to direct the traffic. The traffic is going anyway, but they stand and they go like this and they move their hands and they, they think I'm controlling the traffic. You've not seen that? It's quite common. You've seen, right? In the Western countries, you don't see mad people wandering around the streets. As soon as someone is seen acting in a crazy way, immediately they they phone the police and they'll be taken off in in minutes. They'll send an ambulance and by force put them in the crazy house with the idea that they have to protect the population. What they really want to protect the population from is seeing the misery of material life. Old people are locked away in what are called geriatric wards. Geriatric means old people who are waiting to die. Geriatrics is a branch of medicine, which means medicine, medical treatment for old people. They just want to show people who are young and healthy and enjoying life so that everyone can remain in this illusion that we're all happy, everything is nice. In Japan, you only see new cars. It's a Japanese social... Well, you can say it's a tradition, but it's like a very strong social pressure. You can't drive around a car which looks all beaten up and old. It must look first class. If there's an accident, immediately they'll repair the body. Even a little dent is, is, is very strong social pressure. You should not have a car which looks beaten up at all. So they're... Cars more than one or two years old, they're exported to poorer countries. And then people, they drive around second-hand. The rich people of the poor countries, they drive around second-hand Japanese cars and think, I'm very prestigious. The only run-down vehicle I saw in the whole of Japan, of course I was only there for three days, was, was the Iskon van. And it was really, really beaten up. Unfortunately, Iskon devotees have a reputation for... Smashing up cars. Anyway, the point here is that materialistic people, they always want to show everything is very nice. People like to say, no problem. They have so many problems, but they say, no problem. It's quite common that someone, everyone thinks they're very happy, everything very nice, and then one day they just commit suicide. And people wonder, why? He was so happy. Because there's a, among materialists, there's a, there's an unspoken conspiracy that we're all cooperating here to show that we're all happy. Well, actually, no one's happy. So they say, buy a new car, get a new motorbike, get a big color, big screen color TV, and you'll be happy. So, everyone's showing I'm happy. You see, well, everyone else is happy with who's got a big car and a big TV, so I should also be I should also be happy with my material possessions. Otherwise, there's something wrong with me. So everyone's pretending they're happy and they think, well, actually, I'm not happy, but why? there's something wrong with me. Okay, I have to pretend I'm happy. Because everyone's pretending they're happy, but and every, no one realizes. They think, well, only I'm unhappy and everyone else looks happy. So there's something wrong with me, but I have to cover it up. Or sometimes people admit it and then they become angry nonconformists. They join a motorbike gang. I'll explain what that is. There's no term in Tamil for that yet. A motorbike gang. Gang of people who go around on motorbikes. Yeah, they, they gumbala on motorbikes. 
What does that mean? They travel around? They go around? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh, no, I say Gum. Gumkarna means to go around in Hindi. Guman. So, uh, and then their sport is they drive very fast on motorbikes and then time to time they jump off and they beat someone up for no reason. Sometimes with the chain of the motorbike they, they beat people and kill them for fun. Or they write books expressing their Anami, the word is anami, means I, I can't fit in, I, I'm a misfit, a feeling like that. In Czech, there's the famous Franz Kafka wrote, I think he only wrote, wrote two or three books, Castle, Metamorphosis, and The Trial, three books. When they're all, I only read about one third of one of them, and by the you just feel totally depressed reading it because it's just it just shows you how miserable, hopeless material life is, and you just you just want to commit suicide. <laughs> that was a long way of saying it. It's a very expressive language, Tamil. In the 1950s in America, the, they were thinking, you know, it's wonderful now. America is world power, and our economy is wonderful, and everyone has a car and a TV, and life is wonderful. Everything is wonderful. And out of this came the beat generation. So some people who thought, ah, we don't like this. It's all, it's all superficial. We, they rejected it. They, they were against it. And the social convention is everyone has to dress very nicely, and they would go around in all kind of run-down clothes. So the, the two famous writers of this era were Jack Kerouac, who ended up dying young from alcoholism, and one who actually, he met Prabhupada several times, did some programs with Prabhupada, that, uh, what's that poet's name? Allen Ginsberg, who was, you know, homosexual, God knows what else. So there are, there's, um, there are so many famous novels in the Western world, huge I mean, if you go in libraries, there's thousands and thousands, just the fiction sections, thousands of books. And all the famous books, the, the ones that the great authors are persons who have analyzed what is human life and shown all the defects and how, how miserable it is and analyzed human nature in various ways. So these are considered very good writers. They can analyze all the problems in human society, but they have no solution. They, uh, they, this dramas and novels which are just trying to illuminate what is human life. But the Vedic literature, the literature is one of, from the very beginning, understanding that material life is miserable. You have university scholars, they analyze the, the writings of famous writers, especially Shakespeare, who is so many... So many thousands of books have been written about Shakespeare's writings and people write PhDs about the, the poetry of T.S. Eliot and so on and so on. Recently one Indian writer became famous, not recently, it's about 10 years ago now, for, for writing some novel which became, sold millions of copies in the Western world, this Arundhati Rai from Kerala. God knows what she wrote about, but anyway some kind of book. But all this literature 
You, it, it's already given in Bhagavad Gita, two words. You take all Shakespeare and Dickens and Kafka, put them all together, and there are two words in Bhagavad Gita which explains all of it much more clearly, much better, definitively. What are those two words? Dukhalayama Shashvatam. That's it. You just don't throw out all the Western novels and everything. You have two words. That's it. Everything explained. Does everyone understand what that means? Dukhalayam means this world is a place of misery. And Ashashvatam means? Everything here is temporary. So these two concepts are expressed in two different words elsewhere in Bhagavad Gita. What are those two words? Anyone? Hmm? No, no, that's something different. It's, it means the same thing, but it's just two different words. Anityam asukam. What is that? How does it go? Anityam asukam lokam imam prapya bhajasvamam. Yeah, so this verse describes, in this verse Krishna describes how persons who in this temporary material world, by worshipping me, they attain me. So, just in these two lines, we have the whole purpose, the, the whole analysis of the material existence, plus the purpose is given. That this material world is miserable, but we're not Kafkaites. We don't think, we're not pessimists. There is a solution. In the Western countries, they often criticize that all well, this Hinduism and Buddhism, it's all very pessimistic. They're always saying how this material world is miserable. So I don't know about Buddhism, that's just stupid. It's uh, really, it's very stupid. Everything is nothing. This is, this is Buddhism. Nothing actually exists. They have very elaborate, complex philosophy to explain how nothing exists. And uh, there are different schools of Buddhism, but they all agree that nothing exists. So they argue with each other. Nothing exists in this way. No, it doesn't exist in that way. And this way they argue with, with each other how nothing exists. But the Vedic message is actually most hopeful. One prominent br branch of modern thought or is uh, you should be very positive. Look on the bright side. But there is no bright side in the material world. <laughs> you see, my, my wife took all the money in the bank account and ran off with her boyfriend. And my children hate me. And I have 10 lakhs debt. But my dog, he loves me. So there is always a bright side. So I, I don't have money to feed my dog, so... I'll go out and beg and get some money and feed my dog. So, this example is given, the happiness of material life, it's like the happiness of a madman. You see the madman in this wandering in the street, directing the traffic or, or speaking very strongly as if there's someone listening to him. It's just to walking and talking very loudly, chastising someone, but there's no one there. So, he's feeling happy. That, yes, I'm directing the traffic. I'm, I'm in control here. So, he's happy. You like to be like that? You'll be happy. 
Yesterday we saw the the dog is standing in the drain with all stooly water and drinking that and feeling very nice water. Standing means the whole body is just so the dog is feeling this is you know, this is this is wonderful, this is great. So dog's feeling happy, you'd like to be like that? Sometimes Prabhupada he Prabhupada used to say that to in the Western countries he'd be preaching that you're you're living in doggish consciousness, so you'll have to become a dog in your next life. Many times he said, of course. And sometimes he would say, Well, okay. And then Prabhupada would say, well, you have my blessing. People are so stupid that they, they're being warned, you're going to become a dog. And they think, well, all right. I was in Thailand for some years, where the whole purpose of life is sanuk, which means pleasure. So, it's supposed to be a Buddhist country, but everyone's interested in sanuk. And it's famous as a place where people go to enjoy prostitutes. So in Thailand, there's a very varied cuisine. Cuisine means things you eat. There's a big variety of things to eat. Sarpa, you said? Well, that's one of the things. Snakes. Snakes, rats, dogs. On the street, they have a big jar of live grasshoppers. And they... They grasshopper cricket, and they, they turn it upside down in a big wok of hot oil, and then they fall in that, and then they, they cook it, and then people are <coughs> crispy, fresh. But the most popular food is pork, pig's meat. So one day I asked a woman, she, I asked her that, well, you know, you're Buddhist, and according to your philosophy, you're eating so much pig, you're going to become a pig in your next life. Don't, aren't you worried about that? She said, no, we're worried. I said, yeah, I know, but we're not worried. That will, I said, well, why not? I said, well, that will also be sanuk. So uh, this is a positive attitude to life. Everything is wonderful. Become a pig, that's also wonderful. Very nice. So, Vedic knowledge means to become sane, not to be a madman. Pessimism is also a kind of insanity. As Prabhupada writes here, Anandamayo Bhyasat, the absolute truth is full of pleasure. Brahman is pleasurable by nature. So the jiva as part and parcel of Paramsatya, Brahman, is also Anandamay by nature. And it is the nature of the jiva to want happiness, because that is his nature, to be happy. But if we don't find that happiness in our actual constitutional position of service to Krishna, then we will try to find happiness in so many other ways. Sutta Mitta Ramani Samajan, in society, friendship and love. Tartala Saikate, Vari Bindu Sama. This happiness of material life, friendship, society, sutta sons, friends, society, proper translated this is society, friendship and love. That is like a drop of water in the burning hot desert. We think we shall be happy in material life. But that is 
Durasha, that is a futile hope. Natevidu Swartagating Hivishnum Durashaya Te Bahiratamanina. Because people do not know that the goal of life is Vishnu, they are futilely hoping to be happy in that in this uh, material world. And the result is Madhav Hampariname Nirasha. Ultimately all our attempts for happiness result in disappointment. So we should hope that people would become intelligent and understand that there's no happiness in this material world. Just like these novelists, they understand to some extent. But then, uh, why don't they come to Krishna Bhakti and become actually happy? Because the desire to enjoy this material world is so strong that even though they can see it's miserable, still they are hoping we shall enjoy. This is called durasha, futile hope. And they take birth again and again, and they feel hopeful again and again. Now I shall enjoy. You see the young of any species, they're very hopeful of enjoyment. The young kitten or the young puppy, the young human child, everyone is patting and saying, how nice. That same human child may grow up to be the madman in the street. And then no one will care. They won't say how nice. He comes to the door, knocking on the door. Get out of here! Set the dog on him. So, uh, material life is miserable. This should be understood. And it is the only self-interest of the jiva to surrender to Krishna. Who wants to be happy? Everyone wants to be happy. We don't have to take a census. Even if someone says, I don't want to be happy, that means they, they want to have a sense of feeling happy by being miserable. There are some people who enjoy being miserable. In the Western countries, there are the, the, psych, the psychi- psychologists and psychiatrists, they've discovered thousands of different uh, mental or psychiatric conditions. So there are some people who enjoy being miserable. They're always feeling miserable and they have somewhere in that there's some kind of perverted sense of happiness somewhere in there. Or there are some people who like to be physically sick. And they're always sick because they're thinking, I'm sick, I'm sick, I should be sick. What's that called? It's a common syndrome. No, no, there's a... Yeah, okay. Hypochondria, yeah, that's it. So better be Krishna conscious. These foolish, materialistic, so-called scientists, they, they think that Krishna consciousness is just another transformation of the mind. They analyze, they'll give it some syndrome, this fanatical religious syndrome or something like this. They'll, give, they'll put some complex Latin name for it. Hypotheochondria. <laughs> Could be. Theos is a Greek term. Anyway. But Krishna consciousness is not a transformation of the mundane mind. It is the actual nature of the soul. When our devotees were first in the Western countries, they were chanting in the streets, and people thought they were crazy. They actually used to, sometimes, they used to lock our devotees up, thinking they're crazy. They're singing in the streets. Why are they so happy? What's wrong with them? Why aren't they normal like everyone else? Something wrong, they're too happy. Take them to... Take them to the psychiatrist. Psychiatrists, they're the number one suicide cases. Among all the professions in America, one very good, you can make lots of money. You, you just sit and listen to people 
talk about themselves, which people love. They love to talk about themselves. They pay, they pay the psychiatrist so they can just go and talk about themselves. People are so egoistic. So the psychiatrist gives some advice, usually have more sex or get a divorce or something like this. But uh, they're the, they, among all the prof- so-called professions, they call it a profession, they, uh, the, the psychiatrists are the number one suicide category. Because they're just uh, they're cheating people. They're, their whole business is just cheating people and in, in pretending to help them and taking lots of money from them. So our Vedic prescription is don't go to a psychiatrist who himself is a rascal. The psychiatrist, they just say, well, you adjust this and you adjust that and then you'll be happy in material life. There's no happiness in material So the Vedic instruction is, yes, we should understand that material life is miserable. But that's not all. We should understand there is positive life, there is spiritual life, there is happy, true happiness in Krishna consciousness. But to get that knowledge, tad vigyanartam sagurum eva vigachet. One has to, to get that knowledge, one has to go to a guru. No use going to some psychiatrist. But then the, the modern day gurus, they're all just cheaters. Guru means he should give knowledge of Krishna. But, and that we should surrender to Krishna. But they make themselves the center of attraction. So that people worship them. So these so-called gurus who people think are saintly people, they're actually the biggest cheaters. Gurus should say, here, this is Krishna, you have to worship him. Guru is also to be worshipped, but only as a representative of Krishna, not as an alternative to Krishna, not usurping the position of Krishna. You must always direct the disciple to Krishna. You serve Krishna, he is the Supreme Lord. So the, uh, according to Krishna's instruction, the Guru is also to be worshipped as good as God, and the Guru accepts that because Krishna says that. Sometimes they say, well, the Guru should be more humble. But uh, Krishna has said, this is how to behave in respect to Guru. So if the Guru does not accept that, then he's transgressing Krishna's instruction. But at the same time, if he thinks that, now I am as good as Krishna, which Krishna says, but if he th- himself thinks like that, if he thinks that I am a Guru, then he, he's not fit to be a Guru at all. So actual Guru teaches this, as Prabhupada has written, forgetfulness of one's relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead is a product of ignorance. Ignorance means lack of knowledge. There's another similar word in English, ignore, which means you can say in Tamil, whatever it is, that something or someone is there, but you don't take any notice, you don't give any, you don't take any interest in that. So it is ignorance to ignore Krishna. Prabhupada used to pronounce this ignorance, because ignorance means to ignore Krishna. It's untranslatable, obviously. <laughs> you can just say that part. Ignorance means to ignore Krishna. It's lost in translation. And when we ignore Krishna, then Krishna Bahimuk Hoya Bhogavanchakore. Krishna Bahimuk means to ignore Krishna. And then we have to desire material enjoyment. Because the nature of the jiva is to be happy. Happiness means to be situated in our constitutional position of serving Krishna. So when we ignore that, when we deny that Krishna, we are meant to serve him, then we come to the ignorance of thinking that I am the enjoyer. And we try to enjoy this material world, which is not enjoyable. Our trying to enjoy this material world is like the the dog in the 
filthy water in the drain, standing up to its haunches, drinking the water. When we see that the dog standing in the drain drinking the water and the person in the air-conditioned bungalow opposite are in basically the same position, then we have a good understanding of this material world. People say, well, we have to help less fortunate people. I'm living in an air-conditioned bungalow and these people, they're living in the streets. So they're less fortunate. But what, what less fortunate? They're, they're suffering the heat and the rain living in the street. And you're in an air-conditioned bungalow. So they're suffering in ignorance of Krishna. And you are also suffering in air-conditioned ignorance. And maybe your ignorance is more because you're thinking, well, I'm air-conditioned, I'm more happy. Then you get so many diseases from air-conditioning. It's very unhealthy, actually. And generally, people have more money, then they engage in more sinful activities. They'll eat more meat and take more intoxication, whiskey and all these things. So in their next life, they're going to more severely to hell than the people living on the street. They have more money, so they have more opportunity to engage in sinful activities. So in the previous life, the person living on the street was a cat or a dog or a donkey. And in the previous life, the person living in the air-conditioned bungalow, they were also a cat, a dog, a snake or something like this. So for a few years, in the human form of life, one is living on the street and the other is living in the Periya Bangalore, is it? Something like that. Yeah. And then afterwards, they both, because they have no knowledge of Krishna, they've spoiled their human life. They both go, due to living in ignorance, Jaganya Guna Vritti Sto Adhoga Chanti Tamasaha. They go down to the animal species. So who's less fortunate? You come from the animal species, you get the human form of life. For a few years, you're living in a in a big bungalow, and the other people living on the street. And then you go, you one goes to hell, the other goes to a worse hell. So who's less fortunate? Both are unfortunate. <laughs> someone is being punished by beating with iron rods. And someone is being beaten with golden rods made out of gold. He says, well, I'm better than you, I'm getting beaten with gold rods. Foolishness. So, we should give people knowledge of their actual situation by preaching Krishna consciousness, distributing these books, translating these books, publishing these books, going door to door, giving people these books, give people this knowledge. The subjects discussed in this class today are very wonderfully expressed in that pamphlet the Transcendental Teachings of Prahlad Maharaj, which we were distributing last night. Very wonderfully, and just it's just how many pages does it come in English? It's about 32 pages, something like that? Yeah, with pictures. With the pictures and everything, yeah. It, uh, it shows right from the beginning how totally useless is the attempt to enjoy this material world, and shows that how wonderful is Krishna? We should go to how, how wonderful is Krishna consciousness? So now that's going to be produced in Tamil. So you can try and distribute that also. You can go door to door. Give them Bhagavad Gita, Unmai, Uravim. And those who don't take, then you try giving them a smaller book. And then you say, well, at least take this one. It's only 10 rupees. 10 rupees and more powerful than a multi-billion dollar bomb. 
these demons, they spend billions and trillions of dollars on producing very powerful bombs. They say there's more bombs in America than can, dest can destroy the whole planet five times over. It in means you destroy it once, <laughs> and then if you put it all back together again, and you destroy it again, <laughs> something like that. I don't know what it means exactly. But. <laughs> so the they, they spend trillions and zillions of dollars producing more bombs than can destroy the whole world. I don't know why they need more than can... Maybe, maybe after they send people to the moon, they're going to destroy that too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so after cheating the taxpayers and taking all their money and making bombs... Then they have some peace talks, which they also spend billions of dollars on. And then they take all the bombs to pieces. So then they announce that actually we're very peaceful and we, we dismantle the bombs. What they're actually doing is making even more powerful and effective bombs. That's why the old bombs are out of date. So they're making new, even more effective bombs. One bomb can destroy the whole planet ten times over by itself or something like that. So without any research work, we have a much more powerful bomb. Ten rupees. We're distributing door to door. Terrorist activity. This, this Hare Krishna movement is a very dangerous terrorist movement. We're distributing bombs door to door. You take that book and all your materialistic concepts will be totally smashed to pieces. All your attachments to material life will be totally destroyed. So... Of course, our movement, we destroy, but then we give something much better too. But from the materialist point of view, it's something very dangerous. Materialistic people, they like these bogus gurus like Ravi Shankar and, or, or, the, or some Christianity in which you, you just go on with material life, totally materialistic, and you put a picture of Ravi Shankar or Jesus and... Life goes on. Actually, their life is not different in any way from that of other gross materialists. Maybe in the case of followers of Ravi Shankar, they're vegetarians. Or in the case of Christians, they go to church. But otherwise, they're just totally materialistic. So our movement is not meant for hanging a picture of Krishna on the wall and asking Krishna's blessings to do everything that he doesn't want us to do. That is not our purpose. Our movement is meant for karishe vachanam tava, following Krishna's instruction. Our movement is for taking Krishna's instructions to come out of this materialistic life and come to the happiness, genuine happiness of Krishna consciousness. Are you convinced? Varadaraj Das. So along with your Bhagavad Gita's you can distribute Transcendental teachings of Prahlad Maharaj. Have you said that in Tamil? Divya Upadesha. Powerful, very powerful. So many people you distributed Bhagavad Gita's to. You have to go back and then give them Krishna book, Bhagavatam set. Yeah. So among them you should be able to find people who are ready to take other books. You can still distribute more Bhagavad Gita's to other people, but then the people who already took, then you have to give them Krishna book, Bhagavatam set, all the books. Narayan Pandit is going door to door in Bangalore. Only big books, he doesn't take any small books. People in Bangalore, especially in that area, they have money. For them to pull out two, three hundred rupees is not a very big thing. So he's giving some big book, charging them 100 rupees more and giving them another book free. 
Buy one, get one free. <laughs> Actually, they charge for it, but they think... Everyone knows. They, they have these schemes, buy one, get one free. Everyone knows you're paying for it only. But they, <laughs> but they think, oh, I'm getting it free. They, they tell you it's free, but it's not... You're paying for it. So we do the same thing. Tactics. He approves. <laughs> In Tamil, that means same thing. Must be. Jabi Tangaraj told me years ago there's a whole big, there's a whole Vedic description of tik tikis. There's a whole science. Hmm? Pakshi Shastra. That's not a Pakshi, no? Anyway, we're not going to read that. Even if there is. We're going to read Srimad Bhagavatam. Now he got lost. Hmm? Two. Buy one, buy two, yeah. get one. Buy yeah. one, get one free. So uh, so you can do like that also. You, so you can use some tactics for distributing books. <laughs> you show people the book, they ask, what is the price? You say 150 rupees, but this week only, it's only 100 rupees. They say, oh, really? Oh, okay, give me one. And you come on the train again one month later... <laughs> I'm still saying the same thing. <laughs> you said that you said that last month. Yeah, well, that was a special, and this this week's special also. And you can say, well, actually, the price is meant to be. If they complain, then you can say, actually, the price is meant to be two hundred rupees, but actually, it's priceless. You should give. You should give all the money. You should sell your house and give all the money to Krishna. <laughs> actually, you're a thief. You're living in a house and calling it your own house, but it belongs to Krishna. You should sell it and give all the money for printing Bhagavad Gita. People don't understand this. So, anyway, we can use some tactics. That's, there's no harm. Just like the, the child doesn't want to take the medicine. So the mother brings a sweet and says, Open your mouth. Holds the sweet and says, Open your mouth. And the baby thinks... I'm going to get the sweet. And as soon as I was the mouth of the other hand, quickly rams in the medicine. <laughs> so the baby thinks I'm cheated. But that is for their benefit. So Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Any questions? What is the destination of a pessimist who is frustrated with material life but doesn't come in contact with devotees? Well, there are different kinds of people. There's, Bhagavan is in everyone's heart and he knows everyone's desire. So if someone is piously, if he's inclined, if he has some inclination towards bhakti, then in that pessimistic condition, he may turn to Bhagavan. That is described in Bhagavad Gita, one of the four kinds of pious people who come to Krishna consciousness. Arata means one who's suffering in material. Who's, who's, who's feeling that suffering very strongly. Otherwise... Um, he may become an atheist, a voidist, a naxalite, or something something like this. Atheist, I said that. Eh? Nihilist, yeah. Voidist, same thing. It means the same thing. Doesn't it? In English, it means the same thing. Maybe in Croatian, it has a different, slightly different meaning. You translated that? That is elaborately described in Prabhupada's purport on the verse Vita Raga Bayakrodha. Actually, there are two verses in Bhagavad Gita. So, becoming free of anger. Here, Prabhupada is translated Raga's anger, which is one of the meaning of the word. It generally means attachment. No, he is translated as attachment. 
uh, and he describes Vitaraga Bhaya Yeah, Krodh. That's the be, be being free from attachment, fear, and anger. Those who take shelter in me. So, what's the next line? Bahavo Jnana Tapasa Putam Madhavamagataha. They can come to Krishna. But if not, if someone is, they see the misery of this material world and they're very impious, then they become like Franz Kafka or Jack Kerouac or so many of them. They join a rock group and they, they go on stage and they stamp their, they stamp their fist, their feet on the ground and say, I hate everything. <laughs> or they join a motorbike gang, something like this. That didn't come in India yet. That's quite prominent in the in some of the Western countries. That people they go around in gangs just and they fight and beat people just for fun. They have football fans. They go around and they they go to a football game and there's they they, they supporters of the other team. They all have a big fight, heavy fights. Yeah, like that. You yeah, had that in Croatia yet? Is it? After after the communist system broke down, or before? Because there was discipline. There was discipline in the communist uh, Also against other states, and but now between, you know, inside Croatia. You mean like from Dalmatia, they're fighting against the the football teams, or what? Oh, they only used to fight with the supporters, the foreign supporters. Anyway, whatever. They'll go on the train and smash the whole train to pieces. Just because they have so much anger. Because all the time there's this advertisement, enjoy, 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 enjoy. But they're not feeling any happiness. So they become, they, they become so angry. They, they, they join some gang and they go and beat people. This is the inevitable result of this grossly materialistic civilization. Actually, they still they don't have that like in Japan or Taiwan, which have been, they have the same kind of enjoy, enjoy, enjoy syndrome. But then people just commit suicide, that's all. According to their culture, they, they don't just go and beat people, at least in, in Asian culture, in these countries where there was Hinduism and Buddhism. It's, they, they don't behave like that, but then they commit suicide. Or in Taiwan, thousands and thousands of young women, they're becoming Buddhist nuns. Because they don't want to get married, they say, oh, it's just, it's, it's so useless that they become Buddhist nuns. They have no hope of happy family life. So this, Taiwan, yeah. This whole Western civilization is like a sinking ship. But people are still sitting in the cabin and eating their chicken and saying, well, it's very nice. Give me a little more salt. But the ship's sinking. Don't be such a pessimist. This is their nonsense. Give the Prabhupada's books. Hare Krishna. We'll finish that. It's quite late. Hmm? You have a small question. Small question doesn't mean it's a small answer. What is the purpose of life? That is a small question. Then you have to go through all Vedas, Bhagavad Gita, everything. Ah, man. This, um, you want to join a motorbike gang? You want me to give it? <laughs> you want me to put you in touch? I don't know. You have to look on the internet. <laughs> I don't recommend it. And Buddha said, hmm? Buddha said everything is nothing. 
he didn't say he didn't say very much actually, Buddha. But um, his followers have extrapolated a philosophy. Yeah, nothing. You don't know Buddhism means voidism, shunyavad. Nothing actually. Nothing is real. You don't know that. You don't know what Buddhism is. What did you think it was? It's not that they worship Buddha as God. They're very much again. They hate that. If you tell a Buddhist that Buddhist the Buddha is God, they're very much against that. They hate the idea of there being any God. What's your small question? This um, uh, psychologists they uh, they they consider the mind of the people and then they give some suggestions to mm. in, the, in the material world. So in, uh, how to how they can adjust themselves to live what they call a normal life, which they never defined what a normal life is. And how do we compare this with the Vedic style of... Uh, uh, okay, say it in Tamil. This Jyotika Shastra. The difference is that people who follow Shastra, even Karmakanda section, they follow Shastra. There is, a, there is an understanding that we are the Jiva and we have to follow Dharma. There is no sense of dharma in humanism, which is the it is the unspoken or philosophy of the modern world. It's the unofficial philosophy of the modern world. Even the so-called Christians, and it's all humanism. Even Islam nowadays. That we should act in a manner for our own happiness and for the happiness of other human beings also. Whereas the Shastric directions, there's an understanding that human beings have a responsibility to follow Dharma. So the mentality of those who follow the Vedic scriptures at the Karmakanda level and the mentality of modern humanists or so-called religionists who live for the sake of sense gratification, the mentality is not much different. They both want to enjoy this material world. But the difference is that the followers of Shastra, they know what is right and wrong according to Shastra. And they know that they have to follow Shastra, which the modern people, they, they, uh, humanism means they extrapolate what they consider to be axiomatic principles of ethics. That was too tough. They extrapolate they, they make up out of their own... Humanism, extrapolate means that they just, out of their, their speculative processes, they, they, they make up some ideas. Axiomatic, self-evident. So they say, for instance, it's, it's axiomatic that all human beings are equal. But that's nonsense. They're not equal. Everyone's not the same. According to our karmic background, someone is born more intelligent, more rich... More pious, more inclined to lead a good life and so on. Even racially, there's a difference. Among races, now you're not allowed to say this in the modern world, but you know, if you take the average Australian Aborigine, 
and the average South Indian Brahmin, I mean, there's definitely a difference in the intelligence and culture level. But you're not allowed to say that because that's against the religion of the atheistic religion of that everyone is equal. In the modern age, if you speak the Vedic principle, which was, which was the principle of most societies throughout the world for thousands of years, that women should have a secondary role in society, then they'll, they'll be very angry. They say that Indian culture is very oppressive of women. Actually, historically, it's been better than in the West because in the West, and only towards the end of the 19th century, were women allowed to have souls. Before that, they didn't have souls. According to Christian theology, women didn't have souls. Soul, Atma. No. So then one of the popes decided that, okay, you can have a soul. And then, and, but because whatever the pope says is completely perfect, all the women before that, they didn't have souls, and then after they do. So... Christian theology is bizarre, to say the least. If you don't believe in Jesus, the all-merciful God sends you to burn in hell forever because he loves you so much, and so on. It's When I was about 11 years old, I understood it didn't make any sense at all. It's just nonsense. It's not tattva, it's kalpana. kalpana. So they say, well, women are much better off now. They have equal opportunities. That means previously they could stay at home and look after the children. Now they have to get on a bus, stand on a bus for one hour, work all day in some miserable job, and then come back again in a bus one hour. And this is, this is the great gift of women's liberation, that you can also work miserably in some factory or office or something. You don't have time to look after your children, and you spend more time in your office talking to some man who has no relationship with you than with your husband. But you're all day in the office with your husband and you, you had with, with your someone someone else's husband and you don't hardly see your own husband. So and they're saying this is wonderful. It's just it, women they're cheated by this woman's liberation and they're thinking, This is wonderful. So our Krishna conscious movement is meant for making a complete transformation in the whole way people act and think and even how they live. Close down the factories. No more factories. Factory means hell. What will happen if everyone becomes Krishna conscious? We'll have to close down the factories. Yes, that's right. I told you, it's a terrorist movement. It's very dangerous. Hare Krishna, finish it.